Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily, but not exclusively, involving the NBA. And that is here. So, as most of you are aware by now, the big trade finally happened. Ben Simmons got out of Philadelphia, and James Harden got out of Brooklyn, rejoining, apparently, not just his favorite GM on the planet, but his favorite person, Daryl Morey. I expect... This trade will find a place on TV and radio shows. By the way, there was a strip club joke just now that I let go when it comes to James Harden and his James Harden and his favorite people. Just letting you know, discretion is being observed here. Anyway, I expect this trade will find a place on TV and radio shows for the remainder of the season, with perhaps a brief respite over the weekend because of the Super Bowl. But You know an NBA story is big when the FS1 shows I appear on regularly break into their Super Bowl topics and guests and throw up the bat signal to have me jump on the shows to talk about it. That's what happened yesterday morning with both Colin Cowherd's show and Speak for Yourself, and I'm scheduled to appear on SFY today as well. This is the Friday before Super Bowl. It speaks to how captivating this turn of events is, not just in the NBA, but in the sports world. The last time I can recall the NBA stealing the spotlight from the NFL the week before the Super Bowl was when the Lakers were trying to trade for Anthony Davis. I believe that was a Ravens 49ers, if I'm not mistaken, Super Bowl. Anyway, none of my appearances this week were previously scheduled. But then it appeared completely up in the air whether or not the Simmons-Harden trade would actually happen. Hearing in the aftermath about just how much Harden didn't like being in Brooklyn, it's understandable why the Nets felt compelled to pull the trigger now. I expected them to stay the course, to see if they could work it out with Harden, or at least see if their belief that KD, Kyrie, and Harden could win a title, if their belief in that could actually be realized. What I didn't 
or don't understand is why Maury felt compelled to make the deal now. Unless his relationship with and trust of Harden isn't quite as advertised, in his mind at least. And if that's the case, again, I would say, understandable. When Daryl looks at James, he has to see the player version of himself as a GM. As in, a guy who considers relationships convenient, but in no way essential, and certainly not unbreakable. And F your feelings, get over it, guy. Just consider what Harden did to KD, his old teammate from their days in OKC together. The guy that he went out to LA to spend some time with before making the decision that he would force his way to Brooklyn to play with KD. Although, KD should have known this was a possibility. It's not as if it's the first time Harden has done this or even decided that he's the, his pastures are greener without KD. I know it has been portrayed as if Oklahoma City screwed up by trading Harden to the Houston Rockets. We have Ben Simmons, close friend with Daryl Morey, to thank for that misrepresentation of what happened. The reality is, Oklahoma City, and I will continue to say this, they had no choice. Harden didn't want to be a third wheel to KD and Westbrook. Didn't want to get paid like a third wheel. And Oklahoma City had already paid KD, had already paid Westbrook. They were limited in what they could offer Harden, both financially and as a role on the team. Harden didn't want to stay in OKC. He wanted to be the primary star, and he knew that wouldn't happen there. After all the naysaying about Daryl's chances of getting a legitimate star in return for Ben Simmons, in one way, I understand why he jumped at the chance to make the trade now. It silenced all the naysayers, without question. He did what they said couldn't be done. But there was a far better move to be made if he'd only had the patience and the trust in James to be good on his word. What was the leverage that Harden had over the Nets to make the deal now, aside from his unfettered willingness to milk, nurse, or simply make up a hamstring injury to make himself unavailable? And don't tell me that just because he's now with the Sixers and he's still missing a couple games that it means that the hamstring is legit. We'll see. It was... Anyway, the, the leverage that he had, it was the threat that he'd sign with the Philadelphia 76ers this summer as a free agent, and the Nets would wind up with nothing. Now, it's not quite that easy. This isn't Kevin Durant hitting free agency just when a boatload of new TV money lands, creating a huge surplus of cap room for every team in the league, including one that didn't have the requisite cap room to sign a guy like Durant before the TV money hit in the Warriors. The Sixers couldn't outright sign Harden to anything close to what he's worth, so they still would have had to make some kind of deal to get him, with the Nets or with someone else. The threat of them doing it with someone else in order to create the cap space to sign Harden would have been their leverage to get the Nets to do one, seeing as the Nets wouldn't have wanted to come away completely empty-handed. 
much like the Cavaliers did with LeBron when he went to Miami or when Kevin Durant left the Warriors for the Nets. Those actually ended up being trades. It started out as they were free agents, but in order for their the teams that they were leaving to get something out of it, they made some made a deal, essentially. Didn't get a whole lot back, but they got something. Now, in this case, it wouldn't be an equitable deal, but something would be better than nothing. This is a certainty, though. It wouldn't have been what the Nets got for Harden now. Simmons, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and two future first-round picks. It wouldn't have been anything close to that. It might have just been Simmons. Why? Because something is better than nothing. No doubt the Nets, feeling they were backed into a corner by Harden to make the trade now, and livid at all the signals that Maury had been making for the last year that he'd love to get Harden back, and those are just the ones we know he made publicly, never mind what messages might have been flying around behind the scenes, the Nets decided if they had to make a deal, they needed to draw blood. They needed to make sure that the Sixers team that had put together a 32-22 and record wasn't just adding Harden and getting rid of Simmons, who hadn't contributed a single point, rebound, or dime to that 32-22 and record. That's why they asked for Tyrese Maxey, the Sixers' third leading scorer, and Matisse Thybul, their best perimeter den- uh, defender. Now, they didn't get them, but they did extract their fourth leading scorer and third most efficient scorer, Seth Curry along with Embiid's backup, Andre Drummond, their second-best rebounder. Depth and versatility, as you've heard me say here before, are key to winning a title, and they needed to make sure the Sixers came away from the deal compromised as much as possible on that front. And then, snaring a couple of first-round picks to undermine the Sixers' ability to upgrade anytime soon should they find themselves a player or piece away from championship form, which... I fully expect they will. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Not making the deal now but waiting until this summer would have allowed something else valuable to happen. And B could have competed, or completed rather, his run at a league most valuable player award. No matter how far the Sixers went in the playoffs, Embiid would have established himself on a whole new level. He would have come into next season understanding what it takes to lead a team by himself. He would have been forced to mature and he would have set a new standard for himself. I know there's people out there saying that the Sixers are wasting an MVP season by Joel Embiid. Well, now it's not going to be an MVP season. We'll see how it all plays out, but it's hard to imagine that his numbers are going to go up playing alongside Harden. More than likely, they're going to dip. And whatever the Sixers accomplish, he's going to have to share the credit for that with Harden. There's very little chance the Sixers are going to continue to play through Embiid with Harden on board, and there's even less chance that Harden is going to make it his mission that Embiid win league MVP. That's not how Harden has operated up until now. Who has Harden 
won an MVP for previously. Russ Westbrook is the guy who facilitated Durant winning MVP in Oklahoma City. That's what Chris Paul did for Harden in Houston. Name me a star, particularly a big man, who joined up with Harden, and there have been a few, who benefited personally from doing so. Now, there's Clint Capella, but Clint Capella doesn't have the same skill set as Joel Embiid. You're not, Clint Capella wasn't looking to have the ball in his hands and make plays. Dwight Howard is probably the best comparison to Embiid. And he struggled to find his game playing alongside Harden for three years in Houston. And Harden clearly didn't like the burden of trying to make it work. What was so extraordinary about Harden's first year in Brooklyn is that he proved he could be a scorer and a facilitator. It's one of the reasons why he was in the MVP conversation. He posted the best offensive rating of his career. Now, granted, it was only for 35 games, but still, overall, he was as good as I've seen him blending his game with those around him. Apparently, that wasn't something he wanted to continue doing because he clearly wasn't the same player this year. So what? if he didn't like Kyrie Irving and his part-time availability. That should have provided James greater opportunity to put his stamp on the team to be the primary orchestrator. But he chose not to be, for whatever reason. I'm supposed to believe that because Kyrie was burning sage in the locker room that Harden decided, no, I just can't, I can't play with the guy. I've seen guys who have stranger peccadillos and it, didn't cause their teammates to stop playing with them. Maybe we'll get into those stories sometime. So, is Embiid ready to take a backseat to Harden? Because I think that's kind of what we're looking at. That's going to be a tough pill to swallow after the way this season has gone for him, finally freed of trying to make it work with Simmons, a guy who demanded, by the way, far less shots and ball dominance than Harden. Is it going to work from a chemistry standpoint? Harden is... No more of a communicator than Simmons was. That's evident by how things went in Brooklyn, if everybody was genuinely as surprised as they say they are that Harden wanted out. With the game on the line, Harden is also not looking to defer to Embiid. And Embiid, from what I've seen, wants the ball in his hands with the game on the line as much as Harden does. None of this, I assure you, crossed Maury's mind. Or if it did, he quickly dismissed it and certainly wasn't going to allow it to get in the way of making a deal. As much as he's been made out to be an analytics-driven GM, he has been a star-driven GM first and foremost. Pairing a paint clogger like Howard with Harden never made sense. Nor did putting him alongside a pick-and-roll dominant point guard like Chris Paul. Nor a ball-dominant point guard like Westbrook. Not with a coach like Mike D'Antoni. Not as the nucleus of a championship team. Doc Rivers being charged with making the Harden-Embiid combination work should be fascinating to watch as well. I thought he was magnificent in making the three amigos in Boston come together, and much was made of his introduction of Ubuntu, the team's rallying cry, developed during a preseason trip to Italy. Ubuntu is a South African term, and it means humanity to others, and is meant as a reminder that I am what I am because of what we all are. In the years since, 
I've come to believe that Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen, but especially KG, were as responsible for cultivating that mindset as Doc was. I can't say he's replicated that effect on any other team he has coached, certainly not to a championship level, obviously. Danny Ainge, who was the GM of the Celtics at the time, no doubt had a hand in creating it as well. Danny has always been unafraid to meet players on their level, to talk to them as a former player, a former teammate and compliment to Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. Another threesome that didn't always see eye to eye off the court, but never let it disrupt what they were trying to accomplish on it. Maury doesn't have that skill. He has proved to be adept at developing relationships with a team star, but usually at the expense of the co-stars, from what I've seen. Now he has two stars. Two stars who believe equal, believe they have the equal right to being the star. Can Doc navigate that for Daryl? He's going to have to. I will say this. The trade adds two huge storylines to this season. Storylines that are sure to continue for however long the Sixers and Nets remain alive. It is a talent that Morey has above all others to make his teams an interesting experiment to watch unfold. They never achieve the ultimate uh, prize. More often than not, they don't come close. And they often end with a deafening thud. But they are fascinating to observe. And this should be no different. But as I look at the East, I don't think either team put themselves any closer to a title. Quite the opposite. The Nets have to find a way to incorporate Simmons, if and when he's ready to play. There are roughly 26 games left in the regular season. If they're lucky, Simmons plays in 20 of them. 20 20 games to incorporate a point guard completely different than anyone they've ever played with before and do it to a championship level. He's certainly way different than Harden or Kyrie. And Kyrie will not be playing in a lot of those 20 games. How many KD plays in is also up in the air, but he's still supposed to be out for several weeks. So bottom line is I can't see them playing more than a dozen games together at the most. That's not exactly a long runway to prepare for a title run. The Sixers face a similar challenge. There's a reason teams with title hopes stopped making major moves at the trade deadline. Adding a Rasheed Wallace to the Pistons or P.J. Brown to the Celtics or Bison Deli to the Bulls is one thing, but this is different. Especially with two teams like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat having solid cores that already have the experience of battling their way to the finals together. The Heat added Kyle, Kyle Lowry since falling short in the bubble, but at least they've had him all season. Name me a team that has changed out core pieces or added a core piece to the level of James Harden and gone on to win a championship. I'll wait till you come up with that answer. And I'll be waiting until the next podcast. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, I do have to dive into exactly what happened in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden 
and what it says not only for today's NBA, but for that team in particular and the prospects of it going anywhere. All of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.